You are listening to an Elftree Publishing Podcast. Our elves have been hard at work in search for meaningful and compelling content, so we hope you enjoy this show. And now, for our feature presentation. Enjoy. Featuring free-spirited conversation to help build a better future for generations to come. This is Elftree Publishing. As we tackle this crisis, our efforts cannot be a series of independent initiatives running in parallel. The scale and scope of the threat we face call for a global systems level solution based on radically transforming our current fossil fuel based economy to one that is genuinely renewable and sustainable. So, ladies and gentlemen, my plea today is for countries to come together to create the environment that enables every sector of industry to take the action required. We know this will take trillions, not billions. Run. Run. Planet Earth about to be recycled. Your only chance to evacuate is to leave with us. Is to leave with us. From leaving behind the world of bioterrorism to off the grid and independent living. You're listening to Exit the Cult. Friday, everyone. I'm your host, Joe Morales, and you're listening to Exit the Cult, a podcast dedicated to exposing the lies of the mainstream media to help others wake up to the truth. Let's exit the cult together, shall we? It's Friday, February 11th, 2022. Welcome to the show, y'all. Hope you're doing well. If you're a new listener to the show, I want to welcome you. You are officially exiting the cult. So uh, we talk about some fun, wild, and wacky things here, and uh, I hope you enjoy your stay. I am here in Milwaukee, finally have my studio set up. It's nothing extravagant. I've got a, what do you call that, a six-foot table, and I uh, set my gear up on this table. I've got my speakers, and uh, I'm finally kind of in a zone where I can focus back on the show a little bit. I'm uh, currently working on a couple other projects, and so as uh, time permits, I'm going to keep popping these shows out, and uh, yeah, hopefully you're doing well, I'm doing well, it's a little snowy outside, it's not too bad, some of it's melting. It's so funny, I've been here for, uh, I guess, since just before Christmas, and I'm already realizing uh, what people used to tell me whenever it's... 30 or 40 degrees, why people up in the um, North Midwest wear shorts in a 30 degree, 40 degree on a, on a 30, 40, 40 degree day. I never really understood that, but now I do because uh, it is a massive difference between seven degrees and 30 degrees, believe it or not. So that's that. 
We're going to get into our cult for the day because it's a good one, you guys. It's a little weird and wacky, but it's kind of par for the course because we are exiting the cult. But today we're going to talk about Ekankar. Founded in Minnesota in 1965, the Ekankar movement promotes the idea that one can separate their soul from their body and experience the, quote, light and sound of God by journeying beyond the mortal form. Here's the group's founder, Paul Twitchell. And this is what the path of Ek is all about. Walking the path to God. Even more, it's about walking your path to God. Because your path is not my path. And my path is not yours. But that's okay. Because when God made you, he made a unique being. You are soul. You are soul. And that's the identity behind your name, behind your physical form, behind the comeliness of your face, You are made in God's image, and it's an image of divine love. But remember, you are made in God's image, but so is your neighbor, and so am I. Now bow before me. Just kidding. And so the respect that you would give to the one you most love, and I, I, when I say the one you most love, it can be person, animal, place, or thing. Whoever you give the most love to, if you can have that same love for yourself, then you are recognizing yourself as this holy, divine light of God that you are. That's what the Path of Ek is about. Okay, so I can kind of agree with a lot of that, you know? I think we are divine beings. We are solar. We, you know, I just watched this video on, I think it was Instagram or somewhere, but it was basically this time lapse of some, like a camera that's inside of this house where the house, there's like a fucking shit ton of cats. And so there's this little peak of sunlight that comes in and stretches across the floor of this room. And it's like, so imagine this sliver of light and all the cats throughout the day are constantly moving from the shadows and laying in a line in the light. So they're laying in the sunlight. It's clearly an energy source is all I'm trying to say. That's what the Path of Ek is about. Okay, Paul, that's enough. So there's that. I do think that we are these light beings. We are consciousness in these earth suits and we're able to communicate with each other and connect with each other on this crazy cosmic level. And just real quick, I'm not one of these ek, what do you call it? Ek apologists. I just think uh, what he's saying in this video is kind of, it's it's true. Like I, I sit there and go, yeah, yeah, I, I, I can. The one thing I don't like about these cultists is they're all like, we are divine. 
That's what the path of Eck is about. And it's just like they talk like fucking psychopaths. And I don't know. So that, that whole thing is a little weird to me. The group has been heavily criticized for the fact that nearly all of the founders, his name, the guy who was speaking, his name is Paul Twitchell. Uh, all of his works have been plagiarized from other spiritual material or blatantly fabricated, which is completely typical for a cult. Any modern cult, they're grabbing shit from the Bible, typically, the Quran, Bhagavad Gita. They're taking all of these little elements, you know, they're like walking up to the buffet of religious literature, picking the things they like out, and they're creating a new ideology. And then they get followers, a bunch of hippies. The group has also come under fire for the fact that the primary spiritual leader is also the CEO of the company that sells the founders materials for profit. Ekankar is a new religious movement founded by Paul Twitchell in 1965. It is a nonprofit religious group with members in over 100 countries. The spiritual home is the Temple of Ek in Chanhassen, Minnesota. Minnesota. Ekankar is not affiliated with any other religious group. The movement teaches simple spiritual exercises such as singing, who, called a love song to God, to experience the light and sound of God and recognize the presence of the Holy Spirit. According to Ekankar Glossary, the term Ekankar means co-worker with God. E-C-K, or Ek, is another word for the Holy Spirit, also known as the audible life current, life force, or light and sound of God. Ekankar's headquarters were originally in Las Vegas, Nevada, under the leadership of Darwin Gross. The organization was moved to Menlo Park, California in 1975. They're always in California. In 1986, Harold Klimp, moved the base of operations to Minneapolis, Minnesota. The leader of Ekankar is known as, quote, the living Ekmaster, end quote. Some leaders, Twitchell and Klimp, for example, also hold the title Mahanta, which refers to the inner aspect of the teacher. The leader functions as both an inner and outer guide for each member's individual spiritual progress. Twitchell, spiritual name, Pedar Zach, Zask, Z-A-S-K-Q, was the movement's spiritual leader until his death in late 1971. Gross, spiritual name Dap Ren, succeeded him until October 22nd, 1981, when Klimp, spiritual name Wazi, sounds like a rapper, pronounced Wazi, yeah, became the spiritual leader. Harold Klimp attended a Lutheran pre-ministerial high school and college. He later pursued private study into different paths, such as the Rosicutians and Edgar Case. The extent of the influence of these teachings on Klimp is difficult to determine. Some scholars believe that Ekankar draws in part from the Sikh and Hindu religions. It is derived from the Radha Saomi, also known as the Sant Mat movement. One of the basic tenets is that the soul, the, the true self, may be experienced separate from the physical body and in full consciousness, travel freely in other planes of reality. Ekankar emphasizes personal spiritual experiences as the most natural way back to God. These are attained via soul travel, shifting the awareness from the body to the inner planes of existence. So yeah, we're going to leave it at that. That is the Ekankars. I didn't want to get too deep into it because all of these religions are absolutely exhausting. Uh... You are listening to Exit the Cold, only on Elf Tree Publishing. Enjoy. 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 
Enjoy. Hey, enjoy. Hey, you. Enjoy. Enjoy. Hey, hey, you. Yeah, you. Enjoy. Yes, you. Enjoy. From Rolling Stone, Betty Davis, trailblazing queen of funk, dead at 77. The ex-wife of jazz legend Miles Davis was years ahead of her time, only to disappear from the spotlight for decades. This article is by Daniel Kreps. Betty Davis, the cult funk singer and ex-wife of jazz legend Miles Davis, who left an underappreciated yet trailblazing body of work, died Wednesday at the age of 77. Danielle Maggio, a close friend of Davis, whose research as an ethnomusicologist focused on Davis's work, confirmed the singer's death to Rolling Stone. Amy Downs, a communications director for Allegheny County, where Davis lived, added the cause of death was of natural causes. I wonder if she had the jabs. The near entirety of Davis's musical catalog was recorded between 1964 and 1975, but her impact was felt for decades that followed. A model by profession, Davis first began making music under her birth name, Betty Mabry, including her 1964 single, Get Ready for Betty. An influential figure in the New York music scene in the late 60s, she would pin the Chambers Brothers song, Uptown, to Harlem, and in 1968, become the second wife of Miles Davis the following year. Although the marriage only lasted one year, Betty is credited with introducing Miles to the rock music of the era, ultimately ushering in the trumpeter's jazz fusion phase beginning in 1969's In a Silent Way and 1970's Bitches Brew. While recordings Betty made with Miles' band during the marriage remained shelved, she finally released her self-titled debut album in 1973 for Woodstock promoter Michael Lang's Just Sunshine Records. Davis recruited Sly and the family Stone producer Greg Errico and an outfit of West Coast musical greats like Larry Graham and Merle Saunders. Two more albums quickly followed, 1974's They Say I'm Different, which is what we're listening to, and 1975's Nasty Gal. Rest in peace, Betty Davis. Everyone's strange. We're in a strange world full of strange people. So unless your head was under a massive rock for the past couple weeks, in other news, big news, which is not really big news. It's just kind of pathetic and, and just annoying. From Pitchfork Magazine, Neil Young tells Spotify workers to quit their jobs. Oh, Neil Young back in the news, the crazy little songwriter fascist. Neil Young has issued another statement about Spotify, this time encouraging its employees to quit their jobs and other artists, not just musicians, to remove their work from the platform. Quote, Join me as I move my money away from the damage causers, or you will unintentionally be one of them. End quote. In Young's latest missive, he also encouraged his audience to divest from major American banks, naming Citi, Wells Fargo, Chase, and Bank of America. Spotify removed Young's work from the platform at his request in late January, with Young citing the misinformation of Joe Rogan's podcast as his primary motivation. 
It's so ridiculous. In the wake of Young's departure, Joni Mitchell said that she too wanted her music removed from the platform. Other artists, including Young's former bandmates David Crosby, Graham Nash, and Stephen Stills, expressed their support but did not have the same ownership control that would allow them to likewise remove their work. Here's what's so hypocritical about Neil Young. And he's talking about people divesting from uh, major American banks. This guy sold half of his publishing to a company called Hypnosis. Hypnosis is owned by a major investment firm, which is owned by banks, called Blackstone. So who is Blackstone? Well, Blackstone is an American alternative investment management company based in New York City. Blackstone was founded in 1985 as a mergers and acquisitions firm by Peter G. Peterson and Stephen A. Schwartzman. I'm on the Wikipedia page right now. And the photo of Schwartzman, of course, he's sitting in front of what? A wall with the little logos for World Economic Forum behind him. Let's just not in there. This article came out by Bloomberg Business. Blackstone announces appointment of Jeffrey B. Kindler, former chairman and CEO of Pfizer, as senior advisor. Huh. Blackstone today announced the appointment of Jeffrey B. Kindler, former chairman and CEO of Pfizer and current CEO of Centrexion Therapeutics. As a senior advisor, Mr. Kindler will bring his deep management experience and wide-ranging expertise in the healthcare sector to advise across the firm's businesses and portfolio companies, which includes hypnosis, with a focus on Blackstone tactical opportunities and Blackstone growth. David Blitzer, global head of Blackstone Tactical Opportunities, said, quote, We're excited to welcome such an experienced and respected leader of Jeff's caliber as an advisor to Blackstone. We look forward to benefiting from his deep insights in evaluating new investment opportunities and helping our portfolio companies reach their full growth potential, end quote. No big deal. Just Neil Young's catalog, owned by Hypnosis, owned by Blackstone. There's that. I mean, coincidence? I guess so. I mean, conflict of interest? I don't know. I mean, people waking up and seeing the fraud? Uh, former CEO of Pfizer, working for Blackstone, owns hypnosis. One of their bigger artists, Neil Young. I don't know. Conflict of interest, maybe. I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Coinc- it's a coincidence. Total coincidence. No, no, no. There's, there's no such thing as a conspiracy theory, guys. Come on. Get your head out of your ass. So here's Joe Rogan apologizing, apologizing, and basically, uh, I don't know, I, some some people argue that he should, that this was the right thing for him to do, I disagree, I think he should double down and tell people to go fuck off, uh, he's literally sitting there having a podcast conversation with somebody, and the media all of a sudden just wants to cancel him. Fascism. 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 Hello, friends. I wanted to make a video to address some of the controversy that's been going on over the past few days. And first of all, to say thank you to everyone that sent love and support. I truly, truly appreciate it. And it's been very nice to hear from you. I wanted to make this video, first of all, because I think there's a lot of people that have a distorted perception of what I do, maybe based on sound bites or based on headlines of articles that are disparaging. 
Um, the podcast has been accused of spreading dangerous misinformation, specifically about two episodes, a little bit about some other ones, but specifically about two, one with uh, Dr. Peter McCullough and one with Dr. Robert Malone. Dr. Peter McCullough is a cardiologist and he is the most published physician in his field in history. Dr. Robert Malone owns nine patents on the creation of mRNA vaccine technology and is at least partially responsible for the creation of the technology that led to mRNA vaccines. Both these people are very highly credentialed, very intelligent, very accomplished people, and they have an opinion that's different from the mainstream narrative. I wanted to hear what their opinion is. I had them on, and because of that, those episodes in particular... Uh, they, those episodes were labeled as being dangerous. They had dangerous misinformation in them. The problem I have with the term misinformation, especially today, is that many of the things that we thought of as misinformation just a short while ago are now accepted as fact. Like, for instance, eight months ago, if you said, if you get vaccinated, you can still catch COVID and you can still spread COVID, you would be removed from social media. They would, they would ban you from certain platforms. Now, that's accepted as fact. If you said, I don't think cloth masks work, you would be banned from social media. Now, that's openly and repeatedly stated on CNN. If you said, I think it's possible that COVID-19 came from a lab, you'd be banned from many social media platforms. Now, that's on the cover of Newsweek. All of those theories that at one point in time were banned were openly discussed by those two men that I had on my podcast that have been accused of dangerous misinformation. I do not know if they're right. I don't know because I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I'm just a person who sits down and talks to people and has conversations with them. Do I get things wrong? Absolutely. I get things wrong, but I try to correct them. Whenever I get something wrong, I try to correct it because I'm interested in telling the truth. I'm interested in finding out what the truth is. And I'm interested in having interesting conversations with people that have differing opinions. Um, I'm not interested in only talking to people that uh, have one perspective. That's one of the reasons why I had Sanjay Gupta on, Dr. Sanjay Gupta, who I respect very much, and I really enjoyed our conversation together. He has a different opinion than those men do. I had Dr. Dr. Michael Osterholm on at the very beginning of the pandemic. Um, he is on President Biden's COVID-19 advisory board. I had uh, Dr. Peter Hotez on, who is uh, a vaccine expert. I'm interested in finding out what is correct and find, I'm also finding out how people come to these conclusions and what the facts are. Now, because of this controversy, and I'm sure there's a lot of other things going on behind the scenes with these controversies, but uh, Neil Young has removed his music from the the platform of Spotify and uh, Joni Mitchell and uh, apparently some other people want to as well. Um, I'm very sorry that they feel that way. I, I, I most certainly don't want that. Uh, I'm a Neil Young fan. I've always been a Neil Young fan. I'll tell you a story at the end of this about that. One of the things that Spotify wants to do that I agree with is that at the beginning of these controversial podcasts, like specifically ones about COVID, is to put a disclaimer and say that you should speak with your physician and that these people and the opinions that they express are contrary to the opinions of uh, the consensus of experts, which I think is very important. Sure, have that on there. I'm very happy with that. Um, also, I think uh, if there's anything that I've done that I could do better is uh, have 
more experts with differing opinions right after I have the controversial ones. Uh, I would most certainly be open to doing that. And uh, I would like to talk to some people that have uh, differing opinions on those podcasts in the future. People are waking up to this fraud. And now that it's becoming mainstream, the NIH, the World Economic Forum, the WHO, all these organizations, the Big Pharma, Pfizer, Moderna, they are freaking the fuck out because people are starting to figure out where the head of the snake is, who's responsible, who was behind this, who owns these patents. These are questions the public should be asking. Doctors should be coming forward. For two years, people have been censored and shut down by the mainstream narrative. And now that it's actually breaking through, the truth is actually coming forward. I just, I think it's crazy that Joe Rogan is even pandering to these people. Absolute madness. <laughs> There's a new doll in town and the fun is contagious. It's anti-vax Barbie. She's strong. She's independent. She doesn't trust science. Bill Gates is the antichrist. Vaccines have Satan's blood. <laughs> Barbie comes with a computer so she can do her own research. Says here, Moderna turns her teeth Jewish. Take your Barbies everywhere. Shopping. I'm sorry, you can't come in here without a mask. I have a medical condition. <gasps> oh, 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 I'm recording this bitch and you're going to jail. To the stables. Thank you for sharing your medicine, dancer. And on the plane. Mm. And the only mandate this Barbie cares about is with her proud boyfriend, Ken. Hi, Ken. Want to go throw eggs at nurses? Sorry, babe. Can't hear you. Alex Jones is talking about monoglobal antibodies. <laughs> Anti-vax Barbie. Exclusively available in Florida and Kentucky. Barbie Dream Ventilator sold separately. Available at Walgreens. We are all being controlled by an elite, wealthy, and privileged few. When Jeffrey Epstein, the billionaire, was found guilty of sex trafficking, he was set to squeal on all the elites in Hollywood and in Washington who used his child sex services. But Epstein was found dead in his cell from, quote, suicide. Why do the elites want children from sex traffickers? Adrenochrome. It is harvested from children for a euphoric and life-enhancing benefit. This satanic cabal of Hollywood and political elites all need the adrenochrome to maintain their positions of power. And they will continue to do so until we stand up against them. Now, do you have any questions, Craig? Um, so does Oprah drink the same blood as Obama, or is it usually a different kid? It's kids from all over the world. Now, it's time for me to tell you the biggest thing that the Hollywood elites don't want you to know. All right, just one. Welcome back to Exit the Cult. So I came across this really interesting uh, video with Candace Owens, and she did an interview with Dr. Robert Malone, who's one of the doctors that was on the Joe Rogan show that Neil Young is wanting to protest against. But he and uh, Candace had some insightful things to say, and I just wanted to share it. What we have done during this outbreak, and I find it shocking. There's a, a position that you can judge the value of a society and its, and its values by how it treats its children. We, our treatment of our children has been atrocious. I'm gonna add something else here. Um, you know, my husband had said to me, rather I had asked him a question, I said, you know, in China, I've been to China before, it's like a different world, right? And 
I was saying to my husband, you know, the people, they're so poor, they're showering in the streets, they're masking all the time. Like this is, you know, before COVID, they've been masking forever. And I said, it's so strange to me that they don't see their own oppression. And my husband said to me, it's because they've never, they have no idea what freedom is. They've always been oppressed. There's nothing to measure it against. And that instantly made me think about the children today and why they are fighting so hard to have our children masked. Here is some old footage of Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau talking about freedom. And then I'm going to have some clips of him in current modern times. This country is a country of openness, of respect, of compassion, of the rule of law, of the rights of the individuals, of freedom. Freedom from fear, freedom from crime, freedom to love who you want and not be judged for it. Freedom to do what you want with your body, with your body, with your body. And now here's Justin Trudeau speaking out against the trucker convoy who is protesting peacefully in Ottawa. Uh, When I agreed with the goals, when I supported the people uh, expressing their concerns and their issues, Black Lives Matter is an excellent example of that. But I have also chosen to not go anywhere near protests that have expressed hateful rhetoric, violence towards fellow citizens, uh, and a disrespect uh, not just of science, but of uh, the frontline health workers and, quite frankly, the 90% of truckers who have been doing the right thing to keep Canadians safe, to put food on our tables. Uh, Canadians know where I stand. This is a moment for responsible leaders to think carefully about where they stand and who they stand with. So the people of Canada are not backing down, and it is an absolute lie that he's saying that they're a bunch of racist. Uh, right-wingers. These are people from every cultural background that you can imagine. Dancing in the streets, children playing in the streets, they're all collectively coming together to protest against these mandates. And Justin Trudeau is pretending like this fringe minority, well, the fringe majority of people that don't like anything that's going on with this protest are people who are brainwashed. They're literally people who have no idea. They just want to go back to just. I just want to go back to normal. So just go get your vaccine. Just wear your mask and then we can go back to normal. It's never going to happen. I can understand frustrations with mandates, but mandates are the way to avoid further restrictions or having to be restricted. As people get vaccinated, as Canadians have gotten vaccinated, we've been able to get through things. And this team is going to stay focused on doing exactly that. So the only way for this to ever go back to normal is you have to protest. The government doesn't take away your freedoms and give them back freely. They don't do that. You have to stand up and fight for them. And that's exactly what's happening. And it's happening peacefully all over the world. And now they're sending police out on the streets to arrest people who are bringing gasoline to the truckers who need the gas to fuel their trucks so they don't die in negative 20 degree weather to fight for whatever's left of their country. It's tyranny. Our government has been in close contact with the mayor of Ottawa and municipal and provincial officials. So far, the RCMP has mobilized nearly 300 officers to support the Ottawa police services and is ready to do more. Rather than face the Canadian people, Justin Trudeau is sicking his police on them. Governments have been hiring globalist players and thugs for years. Meet Peter Slowly, known for being woke. Seven years ago, as deputy police chief, Peter slowly said that being black made him a suitable candidate for Toronto's next police chief. 
and claimed a more important factor was his experience as a United Nations peacekeeper, an international police force known for raping and pillaging communities under the flag of peace. It was reported that there was much animosity when Slowly was not chosen to be Toronto's first black police chief. And a year later, he resigned. During his resignation speech, he bragged about tempting offers coming from the international private sector and went on immediately to join the company Deloitte, whose CEO sits on the board of directors at Pfizer and who was awarded over $40 million by the CDC to build a vaccine management system. A couple months before the COVID-19 scamdemic, Peter Slowly was made chief of the Ottawa police. While the world celebrates the inspiring human spirit coming from the people of Canada, their own police steal their gasoline to freeze them out. Families and children and the foundations of an incoming false flag are now being identified. Meet Peter Downing, a former cop for the RCMP who was given full pay and a clean record after a criminal conviction. Downing is the head of Wexit, an Alberta separatist movement seeking to overrule Canadian law with decrees set by the United Nations and funded by a woman who sits on the board of the Atlantic Council. The Atlantic Council founded CrowdStrike, which ties them to Hillary Clinton. They are funded by George Soros and the Ukraine's Burisma. They are considered a threat to constitutional order by the Russian government, and they fund Peter Downing's Wexit. Wexit has made itself a part of the Ottawa protests, and their connections to George Soros and the RCMP should be cause for alarm. People need to be on the lookout for state-sponsored shenanigans. We've been told that one of the triggers or indicators where we know that they're going to physically move against us and start arresting us is when our media goes down. When all of our telecommunications devices do go down, when we go fully black, the next phase of this will be the public order units will move in on us and start kettling. This is it. If there's a media blackout of everybody that you're connected to with this freedom convoy, that's your trigger that you know something is up. And I would encourage you to make arrangements and immediately start heading to Ottawa. Trudeau's liberals are now scurrying to pass their new anti-hate laws straight out of communist China where a Canadian can be fined $70,000 and thrown in jail for up to four years for the crime of posting anything on the internet that the government deems inappropriate. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. From the Washington Free Beacon... The Biden administration to fund crack pipe distribution to advance racial equity. The $30 million program will provide smoking kits to vulnerable communities. The Biden administration is set to fund the distribution of crack pipes to drug addicts as part of its plan to advance racial equity. The $30 million grant program, which closed applications Monday and will begin in May, will provide funds to nonprofits and local governments to help make drug use safer for addicts. Included in the grant, which is overseen by the Department of Health and Human Services, are funds for smoking kits and supplies. 
HHS said the kits aim to reduce the risk of infection when smoking substances with glass pipes, which can lead to infections through cuts and sores. Applicants for the grants are prioritized if they treat a majority of, quote, underserved communities, including African-Americans and LGBTQ persons. Democratic-run cities such as San Francisco and Seattle have distributed smoking kits to residents. Some local governments, however, have in recent years backed away from their smoking kit programs over concerns they enable drug abuse. Hmm. Louisville, Kentucky, for example, allowed convenience stores to sell smoking kits, but later banned them. Legislators in Maryland ditched their distribution plan after facing backlash from local law enforcement and African-American leaders. Funding for the harm reduction grant program is provided through Democrats' American Rescue Plan, which the Senate passed along party lines after Vice President Kamala Harris cast a tie-breaking vote. Other equipment that qualifies for funding includes syringes, vaccinations, disease screenings, condoms, and fentanyl strips. Similar distribution efforts provide mouthpieces to prevent glass cuts, rubber bands to prevent burns, and filters to minimize the risk of disease. This absolutely enables drugs on the streets. Maybe they should uh, focus their attention on taking drugs off the streets. Ah, but that wouldn't be cool. So the Winter Olympics are currently going on in Beijing, China. You know, the communist country where the Wuhan virus leaked out from the lab, infected the world, full of fear and hysteria? Yeah, the Winter Olympics. But as of today, the United States is currently in sixth place. They are behind Sweden, who's at fourth, Netherlands third, Norway second, and Germany, the Germans, they're in first place. The Germans have seven gold medals, four silver, and zero bronze. They have 11 total medals. Norway has six gold, three silver, five bronze, 14 total. The Netherlands has five gold medals, four silver, one bronze of a total of 10. And Sweden has five gold, two silver, two bronze at a total of nine. The USA has four gold, five silver, one bronze for a total of 10. Way to go, United States! Way to show up. Way to compete. Uh, I don't know. I could never do it. So the cause of death is officially the COVID-19 vaccine-related myocarditis. Myocarditis is how I ruled it. And then the manner of death was ruled as natural. So the vaccine caused that, caused the heart to go into failure, caused um, an infection in the heart. So it makes it, it means that it's just of a natural cause. But if it wasn't for the vaccine, he wouldn't have, you know, he wouldn't more than likely wouldn't be passed away right now. Pfizer quietly released an email to their shareholders warning them of bad clinical trial news coming out that they believe is going to hurt the forced injection program. Now, we already knew they suppressed the bad clinical data, which is a huge felony crime. We have the whistleblowers, the documents. We already know that the British Medical Journal four months ago came out and said, this is one of the greatest crimes ever. You will discredit vaccines for generations. You need to pull it. But did you ever see that on the news? You try to share that on Instagram or Twitter, your ass is banned. Think of the people that work at Twitter and Facebook committing those crimes to black that out. That's why you see all these folks abandoning ship over there at Facebook, and they should be. Because if you stay part of this now, folks, you are definitely guilty. Maybe you didn't know before if you were an executive at Facebook or Twitter. You do now.
people over at Google, and they're just doubling down with the cover-ups, but not Pfizer, because in their corporate religion of evil, they've got to tell the owners what's really happening. So they just made their 90-plus billion dollars the last year of uh, nightmare-forced medical tyranny, and now they release, read the whole thing on Infowars.com, that's hard news, directly to their shareholders saying, quote, Pfizer quietly adds language warning that unfavorable preclinical or clinical or safety data may impact business. Oh, you mean because for the last year you've been trying to suppress since day one the clinical data in the UK going back 18 months ago and the clinical data here going back 13 months ago and there's all these hundreds of lawsuits in two different federal courts and then the appellate court have ordered them to release the documents and they said no and the court said release 500 pages. The 500 pages were the first couple weeks in the U.S. alone. Couple thousand deaths directly confirmed, not in VAERS, by the doctors, by Pfizer. Tens of thousands of miscarriages, tens of thousands of heart attacks. So the CDC knew in October of 2020, months before anybody got injected in the U.S., that it's going to cause blood clots, heart attacks, myocarditis, because the top virologist and the top epidemiologist and the top vaccine experts in the world said, we've tried the spike protein before in rat studies and guinea pig studies and mice studies and primate studies, and it kills the majority of them with blood clots and heart attacks and cancer very quickly. Now, humans are tough. We can take on a lot more poison than most animals. That's a little secret about us is we're pretty badass. But we are being hit and hit incredibly Hard, ladies and gentlemen. And they all think it's funny. These psycho death cult murderers. I mean, there's a reason the New Zealand prime minister looks like a psychotic vampire. She's a Davos graduate and literally wants human depopulation, she admits publicly. So she wants you to die, but she wants you to live, take this shot. Well, when someone like Bill Gates tells you he wants to depopulate the planet, and when she says she wants to depopulate the planet and attends those events, and now she wants to lock you down and put something in your body, folks, it ain't two plus two, it just is. It is true. It just is. It's very strange to be alive right now. I mean, not that I have any reference of living in any other reality unless, you know, reincarnation is a thing, which some people believe, but I don't know how to believe in it because I've never been there and I've never, I don't know, I don't know. There's people who are so certain about the afterlife and heaven or hell or having lived a thousand lifetimes. I just don't know. I'm all for it. I love the prospect of coming back in a different body, maybe with some titties, nice ass, no <laughs> maybe come back as a Chinese man or a, a Vietnamese woman or a, 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 an African warlord or perhaps a Indian sex god. I don't know. I'm just trying to take in everything in the world around me. I know you are too. I get super worked up a lot about the tyrannies of the world. I know that I share a lot of things on the show that could startle you if you're new to this concept of open thinking, free discussions, learning about the Great Reset, the New World Order, the elites, those little sons of bitches always scheming in their mansions, trying to figure out how they can get free humanity bottled up. But... My job here is to just share information, discuss it, have conversations. I really, really, really want to have guests on. I'm just 
kicking myself that I haven't had any yet. I did have a couple, but um, they were just friends of mine that did some pilot episodes with me and they kind of just preferred not to be out there because uh, everyone's scared. Everyone doesn't, uh, nobody wants to be blacklisted, canceled. No one wants to be canceled. And I have to say, um, when I mention our names, Smirkel, um, even uh, Vladimir Putin and so on, they all have been young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. Mm -hmm. But um, what we are very proud of now is the young generation like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, President of, of uh, Argentina and so on, that we penetrate the cabinets. So yesterday I was at a, at a reception for Trudeau and I know that half of this cabinet or even more half of, uh, half of this cabinet are for our actually young global leaders of the world. So that was Klaus Schwab, the head of the World Economic Forum, speaking about how that organization has been over decades infiltrating cabinets around the world with their young global leaders, basically pushing, uh, putting people in power all over the place to push their agenda of a unified global government. And just to kind of wrap up with him, if you didn't know, Klaus Schwab released a very nefarious book called COVID-19, The Great Reset on July 9th, 2020. So the guy had a book already ready to go. Isn't that strange? Is that not a little weird? He already had a novel ready to go. But the other thing I wanted to mention, there's a really interesting website called timetofreeamerica.com. And they basically talk about the whole timeline of all the players behind the pandemic. So you can kind of go through the timeline year by year. I think it starts back in, let's see. Oh man, pre-2016, 15, 40. Back in 20... Back in around 2002. So the CDC patented the coronavirus transmissible to humans. So they were testing viruses that they were creating essentially in labs. And so there's a bunch of different, like, there's a bunch of different key players throughout the last 20 years and one of those key players that recently spoke was Prince Charles. He delivered a speech on November 1st, 2021 to the United Nations Climate Change Conference stating, quote, we need a vast military style campaign to marshal the strength of the global private sector with trillions at his disposal. He says his disposal multiple times in this thing. And people are wondering who his is. Who is he? Satan? You tell me. Here we need a vast military-style campaign to marshal the strength of the global private sector. With trillions at his disposal. At his disposal. At his disposal. Your Excellencies, ladies and gentlemen, the COVID-19 pandemic has shown us just how devastating a global cross-border threat can be. Climate change and biodiversity loss are no different. In fact, they pose an even greater existential threat to the extent that we have to put ourselves 
on what might be called a warlike footing. Having myself had the opportunity of consulting many of you over these past 18 months, I know you all carry a heavy burden on your shoulders, and you do not need me to tell you that the eyes and hopes of the world are upon you. To act with all dispatch and decisively, because time has quite literally run out. The recent IPCC report gave us a clear diagnosis of the scale of the problem. We know what we must do. With a growing global population creating ever-increasing demand on the planet's finite resources, we have to reduce emissions urgently and take action to tackle the carbon already in the atmosphere including from coal-fired power stations. Putting a value on carbon, thus making carbon capture solutions more economical, is therefore absolutely critical. Similarly, after billions of years of evolution, nature is our best teacher. In this regard, restoring natural capital, accelerating nature-based solutions, and leveraging the circular bioeconomy will be vital to our efforts. As we tackle this crisis, our efforts cannot be a series of independent initiatives running in parallel. The scale and scope of the threat we face call for a global systems-level solution based on radically transforming our current fossil fuel-based economy to one that is genuinely renewable and sustainable. So, ladies and gentlemen, my plea today is for countries to come together to create the environment that enables every sector of industry to take the action required. We know this will take trillions, not billions of dollars. We also know that countries, many of whom are burdened by growing levels of debt, simply cannot afford to go green. Here we need a vast military-style campaign to marshal the strength of the global private sector. With trillions at its disposal, far beyond global GDP, and with the greatest respect, beyond even the governments of the world's leaders, it offers the only real prospect of achieving fundamental economic transition. So, how do we do it? First, how do we get the private sector all pulling in the same direction? After nearly two years now of consultation, CEOs have told me that we need to bring together global industries to map out, in very practical terms, what it will take to make the transition. We know from the pandemic that the private sector can speed up timelines dramatically when everyone agrees on the urgency and the direction. So each sector needs a clear strategy to speed up the process of getting innovations to market. Second, who pays and how? We need to align private investment behind, those, behind these industry strategies to help finance the transition efforts, which means building the confidence of investors so that the financial risk is reduced. Crucially, investment is needed to help transition from coal to clean energy. 
If we can develop a pipeline of many more sustainable and bankable projects at a sufficient scale, it will attract greater investment. Third, which switches do we flick to enable these objectives? More than 300 of the world's leading CEOs and institutional investors have told me that alongside the promises countries have made, their nationally determined contributions, they need clear market signals agreed globally so that they have the confidence to invest without the goalposts suddenly moving. This is the framework I've offered in the Terra Carta Roadmap created by my Sustainable Markets Initiative with nearly 100 specific actions for acceleration. Together we are working to drive trillions of dollars in support of transition across 10 of the most emitting and polluting industries. They include energy, agriculture, transportation, health systems and fashion. The reality of today's global supply chains means that industry transition will affect every country and every producer in the world. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind that the private sector is ready to play its part and to work with governments to find a way forward. Your Excellencies, ladies and gentlemen, many of your countries I know are already feeling the devastating impact of climate change through ever-increasing droughts, mudslides, floods, hurricanes, cyclones and wildfires, as we've just seen on that terrifying film. Any leader who has had to confront such life-threatening challenges knows that the cost of inaction is far greater than the cost of prevention. So I can only urge you, as the world's decision makers, to find practical ways of overcoming differences so we can all get down to work together to rescue this precious planet and save the threatened future of our young people. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. We want to save this precious planet and the future of our young people. <laughs> Let's go drink some whiskey. Drink some blood. Once you see these people for who they are, ooh, it's hard to fall back to sleep. You're listening to Exit the Cult, only on Elf Tree Publishing. Now, enjoy the rest of the show, useless eaters. I'm Bill Gates. This shift in human consciousness is an interesting topic because a lot of people give different ideas to what's happening right now, how this shift is taking place, and people are talking more and more about spirituality, and I think that um, perceived to understand it as some sort of religion or some sort of cult or some sort of, you know, belief. and. I believe that, you know, this isn't really a choice. Whether we like it or not, I believe we are all here in the spirit. Now, the only thing is this collective information or this collective intelligence right now is existence, right? Whether we like it or not. So the question really is whether we decide that, hey, I'm going to actually finally open up my mind, right? Or I like to call it open up 
our own energy portals, right? To be able to allow this collective information to start coming in and be one with everything around us and the universe around us and be one with everyone around us. And I believe that is what the shift of consciousness is about. When one comes to awakening, you know, a lot of people talk about awakening. So what is the great awakening? I believe awakening is nothing but just becoming more and more aware of the things around us. And if you ever had this moment before when you um, are, let's say, hiking, and you get to the top of the mountain, or maybe you uh, get into the elevator of a really high sky-rise building, and you get to the top of that building, and you look across the city, how do we feel in those moments? And I think that most people would agree that in those moments, we look at the view and we just think, wow, doesn't this look amazing, right? And we just absorb that beauty, right? And the reason why, and this is the same feeling, as when one comes to awakening and awareness. So I think when we understand that most people, because of society, because of social upbringing and our social conditioning, it's created different fears and doubts that we have with things that are happening around us. A lot of people talk about opportunity and, and looking for opportunity to happen within their lives, when opportunity is happening every single day within their lives. But the question really is whether you have an open mind or you have an open portal to allow this information, this richness to actually come into your life right now. And so I believe this whole spiritual alignment journey and this whole awareness journey is purely like if I was to give an analogy, I would say it's about taking you out of context from what your everyday is, right? You need to get out of the norm. You know, if you're in that nine to five job, if you're in that stuck in the doing, you know, doing the same thing over and over and over. Inside of you, you have greatness. You have this desire to achieve more. You actually do want a more fulfilling life. You want more to happen in your life. But a lot of the time we are stuck, we are trapped, right? On a subconscious level, we're trapped and we're trying to get out, we're trying to break free. But how do we do it? The easiest way is to shift ourselves out of context. Do things that we've never done before. Go out there, explore, go out there, travel. Go out there, dare to put our vulnerability power out there because within that vulnerability and that honesty is truth and love and that connection to one another. And once we start to allow that energy and that love and that peace and joy to flow within us and flow through us and through the whole channel of the rest of the universe and everyone around us, that's when we start feeling that place of bliss and that orgasmic feel of that awakening. That was The Great Awakening, Shifting Consciousness by Master Sri Arkanshana over on YouTube. I'll put a link in the show note descriptions to the video if you want to watch it. Special thanks to Joe Rogan, Greg Reese at Band.Video, Alex Jones at InfoWars, Elftree Publishing, and of course, all of our listeners here at ETC. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please reach out to us at exitthecult at protonmail.com or visit exitthecult.com. As always, be sure to check out the description for show notes and links to articles and videos featured in the episode. Have a killer weekend and uh, don't be a killer!
If you have an interesting story or information you'd like to share with our listeners, send us an email at exitthecult at protonmail.com. Please help support the show by becoming an Exit the Cult member over at our Patreon page for exclusive content and bonus episodes. Visit exitthecult.com for details. Tune in to new episodes on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening.